Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogenia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, May 3rd, 2014. Tonight I'm going to do something a little different. This is Christian Identity Directions. It's a forum subtopic at Christogenia where I often post um, answers to people and things that I believe are um, necessary responses to... False doctrines, false ideas, bad ideas that come into what what I consider to be Christian identity. Uh, of course, this isn't the, the the only island of Christianity. Christ, Christ, Christian identity, I'm sorry, believers in the world. But w- without bragging, it is one of the larger ones. There's no doubt, and. We have to set an example, and that example has to come from Scripture. It has to come from a 100% of Scripture. And all these clowns that think that one Bible verse over here can somehow trump or disprove a Bible verse that you quote, those people are idiots, because no part of the Word of God contradicts itself. We accept the whole thing. If, I mean, there are verses and, and, and books that we have problems with, but we can document those problems and we can explain why we have those problems. This book is spurious for those reasons. Book of Esther. This verse is, is corrupt and, and this is why, because it's a violation of Hebrew grammar. So we attempt to correct that. But that correction has to be in the spirit of the entire scripture and the context of the verse in question. This verse over here is mistranslated. Here's why. Here's what it should say. There's why. There's how. That's what we do. We don't accept simply the King James Version. We may as well all go go jump into a lake if we had to do that. But what we seek the truth of the scripture in the spirit of the entire scripture. That's important. That's what we do. And when we do that, we find that the scripture does indeed not contradict itself. The word of God does not contradict itself, period. Your verse, if I lay out a a proof of something, your one verse cannot deny my proof. If it does, then there's a problem with misunderstanding. There's a problem with the, 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 the um, understanding of the context of the verse, who it was spoken to, why it was spoken, um, that there's a problem with, 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 what, with your interpretation, but this sure as hell isn't a problem with the Word of God. I've said it many times here before in these programs, and, and, and I'm not really trying to be draconian. I, I can't control who comes to Christogenia and downloads my programs. I just can't. I, I can't control who sits here and talks to you. But if you're out there listening to clowns that deny that 
Yahshua Christ is Yahweh God coming to flesh. You're denying the Messiah. You're an Antichrist. I don't want you listening to me. If you're listening to that clown Eli James, that clown Dewey Tucker, they deny the divinity of Christ. I don't want you listening to me. I don't want you here. Don't come around here no more. If you're a what one of these um what what one of these closet universalists that want to allow um, 15% whites or 25% whites or 85% whites or 75% whites and into the um, kingdom of God. If you don't understand what white is, I don't want you here. Don't come around here no more. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to see your damn face. You're a pervert. You're a corrupter of the word of God. You're a destroyer of the white race. Christ said, he who is not gathering with me scatters and and if you're not gathering sheep to the sheepfold then you're scattering the sheep trying to sneak in wolves or part wolves you're working against our cause you're not working for our cause not at all you, you may as well be a damn Jew this is a certain fellow whose name is David Kennedy who made a post, and, and I'm not saying David Kennedy is a bad guy, but he's either deceived or he's a clown. He made a post on the so-called Covenant People's Ministry forum this past week, which was brought to my attention, and which is so exemplary of the many fundamental problems and the reasons for division amongst identity Christians today... It's so exemplary of those things that I decided that I should address it here at length tonight. This is because it not only helps to reveal the names and the agendas of many of those who claim to be identity Christians, but who actually promote race mixing. And it is also exemplary of many of our own misunderstandings and how we so often allow ourselves to be deceived by those who have agendas. You're not going to... You could teach everybody the wrong version of the Bible. Look at what the Catholics do. That doesn't mean you're going to defeat the plan of God in the end. I'm sorry, your ass is toast. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom Yahweh loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. You endure discipline as sons Yahweh engages with you. Paul talking to Hebrews, not to Cherokee. For what is a son whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which you have all become partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. If bastards of any degree are accepted by Yahweh our God, then Paul of Tarsus was not being very righteous for making a comparison between sons and bastards. If bastards of any degree are accepted by God, then there is no such thing as a tear. Because a tear is what a bastard is. Think about that. 
In the parable of the wheat and the tares, the enemies of God slipped in unawares and so tares in amongst the wheat. I don't think they did that with hoes. They may have done it with hoes, but they didn't do it with hoes. <laughs> tares look like wheat and can be mistaken with for wheat until they come to full maturity and can be separated at the time of the harvest. They can't be told apart. Yet the only way that a non-Adamic person can look like an Adamic person is through race mixing. That's the point of the parable because it is the point of Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 6, and how many other chapters of the Old Testament? Malachi chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 2. That is the point Christ was making that those mixed race people created by the enemies of God can look just like Adamic people, but they are really bastards. So if bastards are acceptable to God, then is Christ a liar? No. Eli James and Don Spears are the liars, and fools like David Kennedy follow them because they say things which tickle his ears. Here we shall explain why these names are mentioned, why I'm doing this, and why other names must also be mentioned along with him. As for Eli James, I hate to even call him by that pseudonym because the pudgy little Jew boy's real name is Joe November, but I want people to know exactly who I'm referring to. Before I begin, it must be said that if one is persuaded by the idea that bastards of any degree can be accepted in CI, you don't really want to be listening to me. You're little but another clown with an evil agenda and a subverter of the truth of God. Unfortunately, it's not feasible for me to prevent people from downloading my podcast or listening to my streams. I can't prevent you from sitting and talk to you. But if you have sympathy for any of these clowns who are promoting race mixing and the admission of bastards into the congregation of Yahweh, then I want nothing to do with you. Don't come around here no more. Fornication is, as the Apostle Jude tells us, the pursuit of different flesh. The pursuit of strange flesh. The word is heteros in Greek. It means different, like heterosexual, somebody of another sex, right? That is also how Paul of Tarsus defined the word fornication in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he used it to describe what happened between the sons of Israel and the daughters of Moab back there in Numbers chapter 25. He called that fornication. And in one day, 24,000 fell. And how do we know what Paul was referring to? Because the, the plague which Paul had mentioned was cured, was ceased, when Phineas took it upon himself to finally enforce the law of God and run a race mixer through with his spear. All of CI basically agrees on that, on those points. I don't know how they get so screwed up when I get to the New Testament. Except that they have agendas. 
In Romans chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, Paul of Tarsus listed fornication as one of those sins by which, under the law, the perpetrator is worthy of death. Then Paul said that not only those who do such things, but those who are accepting of the people doing such things are also worthy of death. So if you accept your race-mixing kids, if you accept your race-mixing brothers and sisters, you're approving of their fornication. And according to Paul of Tarsus, Romans chapter 1, under the law, the penalty is death. You should be punished along with them. Bastards are the products of fornication. They themselves are offenses under God's law. When in the Revelation we read that all things which offend will be gathered and thrown in a fire, that includes bastards because every bastard's a walking offense of Yahweh's law. That's why Paul compared sons and bastards. If you were married to someone who is a non-white or a bastard, then you're not married, except perhaps in the eyes of the government you might be married, or in the eyes of whatever denominational sect you stood at the altar of, Baal temples, that's where people stood at the altar to get married, in ancient Baal temples. Today's churches, they're no different. They're just like the Baal temples. Don't marry anybody to, of any race to anything, virtually. Most of them. If they don't do it voluntarily, they do it for fear of losing their IRS tax-deductible status. So if you're committing fornication... If you're with a partner of another race, you're not married, not in the eyes of God, you're committing fornication. Unless, of course, you've chosen for yourself, for the government to be your God, because Yahweh is not your God, not at all. Perhaps for the love of mammon, the government's your God, but the government's your God. If you're married to somebody that's non-white, Yahweh's not your God, because he would think that under his law, you're committing fornication. A marriage is defined in Genesis chapter 2. The woman has to be flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. First requirement for marriage. You don't meet that. You're not married in the eyes of God. You're fornicating. From Leviticus chapter 19. Now this right here really exposes the hypocrisy of clowns like Eli James, who would accept a bastard, who has preached it. I have him on tape, preaching that, oh, it's not the bastard's fault. From Leviticus chapter 19, ye will keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy candle, thy cattle, gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy seed, Thy field, I'm sorry, with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. 
Admitting bastards of any sort into the congregation of God, one is sowing the wheat alongside mingled seed. Direct violation of Yahweh's law. Now it must be said that anyone who having an agenda wishing to justify bastards can find Bible stories and examples by which to do so. That is because in their minds, because of their agenda, the Bible is not consistent. They think that one verse of scripture can somehow trump another verse of scripture. If you think that one verse of scripture refutes another verse of scripture, then either then you think that either God is a liar for part of the time, or you are a double-minded man. Instead, let God be true and every man a liar. A double-minded man, probably so because he has a mind made up of more than one flesh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In reality, only bastards could stand there with a straight face and refute the words of God. Here I'm going to read segments of David Kennedy's forum post. And I'm going to rebut certain elements of his newfound race-mixing profession. We had the 15% club with Eli James. And now Eli's sounding like a conservative because Don Spears has introduced the 25% club. And Dave Kennedy is now offering us the 49% club, claiming you're not a mamzer until you're 50% non-white. The truth is that one drop, one drop of non-white blood makes for, the, for, for a corruption of the creation of God. And let me say this. We might all look at each other. We might all look at ourselves. If we're apparently white, according to the gospel, we should accept each other as white and let the word of God be the dividing point. Let the word of God make the final determination. By their fruits, you know them. A lot of us don't live up to the ideal of the blonde, blue-eyed Aryan. Even whites in ancient times didn't all live up to that ideal. However, we all know what the ideal is. And if we don't stand for that ideal, we stand for nothing. We stand for nothing because we stand against that ideal. So you might look in the mirror and you might say, well, I'm not really the perfect Aryan. But if you know the truth, if you know the Word of God and what he says about a damnic man, then at least you can defend the ideal and be true to God. David Kennedy wrote this, this forum post and it was addressed to my white kinfolk worried about less than being, the, the grammar screwed up, right? Worried about being less than is what he meant. 100% white DNA. And I'm going to quote the first paragraph of his paper where he says, and this was posted on April 10th, 
I recently had a DNA test on me and my daughter. I was 100% white European with a 95.5% Northern European and 3.4% non-specific European that they could wipe my butt with those statistics. My wife indicated 1.5% DNA of races outside of Israel. And to Kennedy, that means non-white races, right? I was greatly disturbed by this, he says. I sought advice from pastors. I don't think so. Asked for prayer from others and studied the scriptures with prayer and fasting. Because of how Israel divorced their wives in Ezra who were not Israelites, I was in the process of arranging a divorce with my dear wife of 21 years. We were taking, we, we were talking arrangements to be recorded in our own written divorce decree. At this point, I want to give a special thank you. And, and here he tells us, well, well, he tells us at the end of his post too, he, he tells us who the clowns were that he got this crap from, and it is crap. I would like to give a special thank you to Pastor Don Spears, who in a conversation mentioned that the congregation in Deuteronomy 23.2, that's where it says that a bastard shall not enter the congregation of Yahweh, right? Well, Don Spears told this guy, that the congregation in Deuteronomy 23.2 and 23.3 were kahal. I'm going to refute this clown, right? He is. He has really become a clown. And Kennedy, recon Kennedy continues. That meant nothing to me, and we went on to discuss a few other things. But he got me thinking in a different direction. A pretzel. By that, and so I decided to do this study. That different direction is a pretzel. It's a pretzel which leads to the slippery how path to hell. The first problem is this. The first problem with Kennedy's entire position is this. Why the hell would anyone get a DNA test in the first place? Why? Go study the way they figure out this DNA. DNA so-called science is very problematical for several reasons. First, DNA scientists, they know very little about history, and they believe that the current populations of many geographic regions represent the historical populations of those regions. Therefore, they make many mistaken assumptions concerning the genetic makeup of many races and people. Secondly, nobody has the original DNA of any of the world's original races if there's more than one original race, in order to compare the DNA of modern people. You got Adam's DNA. You got David's DNA. If you ask the damn Jews to come up with some ancient DNA from Palestine, you're going to end up with some kike. Thirdly, DNA science is based upon the false assumptions of evolution and of evolutionary biology, which also have little or no understanding of ancient history and the actual recorded origins and migrations of the world's peoples. Yet, you know, I have an example, and, and it's a nearby example. It's right from Eli James. Eli James claims to have gone to 23andMe, and Eli James claims that 23andMe told him that his closest ancient relative was 
the Apostle Luke, St. Luke, he said. Tell me he's not full of shit. Let me tell you something. If you go read 23andMe's literature, they think that St. Luke was a sand nigger. So if you're going around bragging that you got your DNA checked at 23andMe and they're telling you that you were related to St. Luke, well, then you must be part sand nigger. Go read 23andMe's literature and you'll find that what I'm saying is true. They assume that Luke the Apostle, because he was from Antioch in Syria, has DNA similar to the people that inhabit Antioch in Syria today. However, Luke was a Greek, and in Luke's day, those people in Antioch in Syria, the Syrians were white. And the Greeks were certainly white. And the Greeks are nothing like today's population of Greeks, who are mostly Arabs, Jews, and Turks, at least to a great extent. And the Syrians in Antioch today are basically mixed-race Arabs and nothing like the ancient Syrians of Antioch. But 23andMe, that's not the way they estimate St. Luke's DNA. So there's a lot of problems with this that these DNA tests, that most people who don't really understand the literature and what they're saying in history, that they don't know the traps they're going to run into. Putting your hands into, into the, putting your fate into the hands of these DNA labs is tantamount to putting your fate into the hands of the atheist Jew antichrists and allowing them to tell you who or what you are. Yeah, how's that going to work out for you? Then to top all that off, the DNA labs themselves claim that there is a 5, 6, even 7% margin of error in their results. And they admit that. So if Dave Kennedy's wife allegedly has 1.5% non-white DNA, and that's a claim itself which cannot be established, he didn't tell us what this non-white DNA was. Can they definitely identify it as Negroid or as Mongoloid with 100% accuracy? Even if this woman has 1.5% non-white DNA according to the lab, that is well within the margin of error admitted by the labs. And the margin of error thing, that works the other way, too. If Dave's DNA is reportedly 100% white, well, he could in fact have 5 or 6 or 7% non-white DNA because the margin of error works both ways. So for this, he would rather seek to corrupt the word of God because he or his wife got a bad DNA test. He'd rather corrupt the word of God, in essence, once again, believing the lies of the Jew. Dave Kennedy has therefore made himself a clown cla trapped in the claws of the Jew. And he runs into the arms of a man who promotes race mixing, Don Spears. To continue with Kennedy's post... 
Kennedy says, the verses that disturbed me most were these. Well, his wife's 1.5% non-white. God forbid she's not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Some Jew expert told her that, right? Yeah, okay. The verses that disturbed me most were these. And he quotes Deuteronomy 23.2. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation. And he puts in brackets the word kahal. And that's a word we're going to hear a lot of the next 15-20 minutes, this word kahal. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation or the kahal. Now, I'm going to use the term Yahweh here, of Yahweh. Dave Kennedy has this screwy, dewy, tucker term spelled out in his post, and it's kind of ridiculous, right? Even to his tenth generation, he shall not enter into the congregation or kahal of the Lord. Kennedy wrote Lord. Deuteronomy 23.3 An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation, kahal, of Yahweh. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation or kahal of Yahweh forever. Imagine that, forever. That's what the idiomatic phrase 10th generation happens to mean. Kennedy has already informed us that Don Spears has defined this word kahal for him. So we will give Don Spears credit for the following perversions of the word of God wherever Kennedy's post is describing this word congregation or kahal. In order to understand the first false premise of Kennedy's bastard-embracing theology, we must discuss the corrupt definition of this word kahal, which comes from Spears and which Kennedy then employs. So here is a later part of Kennedy's post. I have to move ahead a little in the post to um, to get to this. He defines kahal, number 6951, kahal, from 6950, noun, masculine. And he gives it these definitions, assembly, company, congregation. Now those are correct definitions right from Strong's. And then he, he, he goes on to say, an assembly for or called for counsel, a council for war, invasion, religion, discipline, and then B, a company returning Exile. I guess he missed the preposition there. A company returning from exile. And then he has a note. And the note says, no, the kahal were a council of chiefs, judges, rulers, priests, noblemen, officers, and others of a high position in government. The kahal could prove their genealogy and legally had... To, to enable to hold their position or office. They are also known as the remnant. And, and this is the mistake of taking certain uses of a term and trying to enforce it as a definition. And that's what's going on here. Because the kahal is basically an assembly. It could refer to any assembly. And I'm going to prove that. It can refer to all the children of Israel, and that's how Moses very often used the word, and I'm going to demonstrate that. Kennedy is, or, or Spears, is making the suggestion here that the kahal is only the assembly of the leaders, priests, the chief men of Israel. That's a lie. 
That's not how Strong's defines the word. In Strong's concordance, a kahal 6950 is to convoke. Now, in the Strong's concordance definitions, there's always a, um, after a definition, there's a colon with a dash and a list of words. And whenever you see in the Strong's concordance definition, the colon, the dash, and a list of words, that list of words are not an extension of the definition. That list of words is only a list of words which reflect how the King James translators translated the word. That's it. That's all it means. It's not part of the definition. 6951, the related word kahal is a noun. And it's an assemblage or an assembly. That's how Strong's defines it. And the King James translated it variously as assembly, company, congregation, or multitude. All of those translations are probably fine in various contexts. A kahila, 6952. All kahila is, is the feminine form of the masculine noun, kahal. So it has the same meaning, it's just a different word form, a different grammatical form. So Strong's defines it exactly the same as he defines kahal, an assemblage. And it was translated assembly or congregation. So those are the basic words kahal, and they are the only definitions in Strong's. And these definitions that Kennedy is insisting on providing as the meaning of kahal, these definitions are only how the word was used on some occasions. Kennedy goes on to define another word, ida, which is another word which also refers to a congregation. It's a synonym. That's all it is. And very often, the two words are used together. And the word ida is Strong's number 5712. Now, Kennedy defines it as a congregation, assembly, or gathering. And he says, note, Ida is used for the entire host or body of Israel. Well, yeah, it is. But this is very deceptive the way this is being presented. Because he's, with his note on Kahal, he's saying that this is basically limited to these rulers, chiefs, judges and priests. And then he's saying that Ida is used for the entire host or body of Israel. So what we have is a lie. Because the word kahal is used also of the entire body of Israel. And we're going to see that. Did these Don Spears definitions really stand up to scripture? The contention of Spears and Kennedy is that the congregation of Deuteronomy 23.2 where it says that a bastard shall not enter into the congregation, they're trying to say that that only refers to the chiefs, judges, and rulers of Israel. And the common people can evidently have half-Cherokee grandchildren, and that's no problem because the common people can evidently that there's no restriction on bastards. That's the implication that this ass clown 
Don Spears is making and this chump Dave Kennedy swallowed. That's the implication that he's making. Genesis 28.3 And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Well, guess what? That word multitude in Genesis 28.3, that doesn't distinguish between chiefs and rulers and common people, but that word multitude in Genesis 28.3, that's kahal. That's what the word is. 69.51. Genesis 35.11, And God said unto him, I am a God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. That company of nations, that word company in Genesis 35.11, guess what? That's kahal, a company of nations. Therefore, in Genesis 28.3, the word kahal refers to all the descendants of Jacob. No exceptions. In Genesis 35.11, the word kahal refers to all the nations that descended from Jacob. No exception. Genesis 48.4 And he said to me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply. This is Jacob recounting the blessing of Yahweh to his son, Joseph. Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people. And I will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. That word kahal is multitude in the phrase multitude of people. And I will make of thee a multitude of people. In Genesis 48.4. It's kahal and therefore once again it refers to all the descendants of Jacob. Don Spears, you're a clown. Dave Kennedy, you're a chump for listening to him. He's a clown and you're a chump. Exodus 12.6 And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Here we have both words, kahal and idah. The word whole assembly, where that word assembly is, in Exodus 12.6, that's kahal, the whole assembly. Kahal, the word idah, is congregation. The whole assembly, the whole kadal, kahal of the idah, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it, meaning the Passover lamb, in the evening. Now, not for nothing, not for nothing, but it wasn't only the elite priests who were to slaughter the Passover lamb. All Israel was commanded to slaughter a lamb on the Passover. So the word kahal, the whole kahal, that's all of the children of Israel, period. If you think anything different, you're a pretzel maker, as Clifton Emma Heiser likes to say. Exodus 16.3 And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt. When we sat, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. 
You think only the chief priests were whining about starving to death? Or was everybody... And in fact, you know something? In Exodus 16.3, I got something for you. There was no assembly of priests. There was no government yet in Exodus 16. There were tribal... There was a tribal patriarchy, but that was about it. There was Moses and Aaron, but that was about it. It wasn't only the priests that were whining about hunger. It was the whole assembly of the children of Israel. And that word assembly is kahal. Don Spears is not telling the truth about this word. Because in Exodus 16.3, kahal describes every single one of the children of Israel who were afraid of starving to death in the desert. Exodus 32.1 And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man was brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We what not what is become of him. Now here in Exodus 32.1 the word kahal is simply translated as together, where it says the people gathered themselves together. They could have translated it differently. They, should have, they, they could have said the people gathered themselves into a congregation, and that could have been kahal. But here kahal in the King James Version is simply together. But it doesn't refer to the chief priests because of the chief priests... In Exodus 32, the only chief priests are Moses and Aaron. Moses is up on a mountain, and Aaron's the one that people are trying to raise to get them to, to get him to build this idol for them. The word kahal in Exodus 32.1 refers to every single one of the children of Israel. It refers to them all. Exodus 35.1 And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which Yahweh has commanded that ye should do them. And in Exodus 35.1, the word kahal is simply gathered. And Moses gathered. And it clearly refers to all of the children of Israel. The word congregation is Edah. Leviticus chapter 8. Verses 3 and 4. And gather thou all the congregation, Edah, together, Kahal, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as Yahweh commanded him. And the assembly, Edah, was gathered together. And the whole phrase, gathered together, is taken from the word Kahal, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The word kahal in Leviticus chapter 8 describes the gathering together of the entire Edah or the entire multitude of the children of Israel, not just the priests and the rulers. This all adds up to one thing. Don Spears is a clown. Dave Kennedy, he's a chump for listening to him. The word kahal is gather. In Deuteronomy 4.10. It's assembly in Deuteronomy 
5.22. It's assembly in Deuteronomy 9.10 and 10.4. In each of those cases, it refers to all of the children of Israel. The last example I shall offer is from Joshua 8.35, where it says, There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them, the guest friends. All the kahal of Israel, that word congregation in Joshua 8.35, that's kahal. All the kahal of Israel included the women and the children, Therefore, when Moses wrote that the bastard shall not enter the congregation, he meant the entire congregation of the children of Israel, not just the rulers and the priests. If the commandment was limited to priests, perhaps Deuteronomy 23.2 may have been better off as an entry in Leviticus and not in Deuteronomy. It's the entire congregation of the children of Israel. A bastard shall not enter into the entire congregation of the children of Israel. It should be quite certain that Don Spears is lying. And that the Kahal is the general assembly of all of the children of Israel in all of these contexts. It was also used to describe all the nations of Jacob or all the descendants of Jacob. It's incredible the lies people tell to justify their own bastard grandchildren. And that's the case. Kennedy then goes on to define a bastard. He jumps out of the pot and into the fire here. He reads from Strong's Lexicon. Bastard, 4464. Translated Mamser, while he, he, his grammar and, and, and his style are far from perfect. From an unused root meaning to alienate, a mongrel, i.e., i.e. is id est. It's kind of like saying that is and providing an example. That's why i.e. is used. A mongrel, i.e., born of a Jewish, and that should be an Israelite, and Kennedy notes that, born of a Jewish father and a heathen mother, and and Kennedy inserts the word race into the definition, or vice versa, so Kennedy's elaborating a little bit. And then he says, no, a true mamzer has 50% non-Israelite DNA. Okay, he's taking Strong's example, and he's making that a technical feature of the definition. That ain't the way to read English. That's not how we read English, i.e. it s. That is, and an example follows, so that we understand what a mongrel is. And Kennedy goes on to say this, in the book of Ezra, the mixed race people were sent, that were sent out of Israel were the wives who were 100% foreign blood, such as Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Amorites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. He repeated it twice. And he cites Ezra 9.1. And then he says, the Kahal of Israel was chief in this trespass, 
And he cites Ezra 9.2 and Ezra 10.18. Well, the problem with that is that the word kahal does not appear in those verses. Kennedy's reading it into those verses where it says the princes and the chief rulers. Kennedy's saying that's the kahal so that he could show us somehow that this kahal means princes and chief rulers in Deuteronomy 23 too. So he's inventing a lie. He's making a fabrication. He mentions kahal in relation to Ezra 9.2 and 10.18, but that's his mention because that word does not appear in those verses. Damn, liars. He also goes on to say that also, the direct children of this illegal union were sent out of Israel. These children were true mansers being composed half of one of another race other than Israel. And, and that's all pure conjecture. Kennedy's entire statement about Ezra is sheer conjecture. He made up all his own suppositions, and they do not necessarily stand up to Scripture. First, as an example, there's no such thing as a 100% Canaanite. Canaan was a son of Adam. Canaan himself, he was originally white. Even though he was accursed by Moses, he was still white. And the descendants of Canaan, regardless of whomever else they mingled themselves with, ultimately mingled with the Kenites, the descendants of Cain, had Cain was half-white, and the Rephaim, the descendants of the half-white giants, half-Adamic, Cain was half-Adamic. So evidently, none of these aliens at the time of Ezra were entirely non-white. And many of them were probably closer to being white than today's Jews, since the apostles themselves often could not tell the wheat from the tares on sight. They marveled that Christ could tell people apart. They couldn't. In ancient Israel, many of the Israelites mingled with these Canaanite tribes. Therefore, the Mamzers, Ezra and Nehemiah referred to, could not have been exactly 50% non-Israelite or non-white and 50% Israelite. Nope. Kennedy just invented his own rule as to what a mamzer is. And first he did it out of Strong's Concordance and secondly he did it out of Ezra and Nehemiah. The Mamsers of Ezra and Nehemiah, they could have been anywhere between 51% and 99% white. Some of them could have been more white than Kennedy's wife, according to whoever the hell he got his, well, whatever Jewy sent his money off for a DNA test. Another paragraph from Kennedy, this one's a real winner. And I'm going to comment on it at length. Kennedy says, Nothing in Ezra, Nehemiah, or any other place in the Bible that I am aware of states that Israel cleansed themselves of people they may have thought they were second generation other race, which is one-fourth other race, 25%, or third generation, 
which is one-eighth of the race, or 12.5%. Or fourth generation, which is one-sixteenth of the race, or 6.25%. Or fifth generation, which is one-thirty-second of the race, or 3.125%. Or sixth generation, which is one-sixty-fourth of the race, or 1.5625%. This is getting ridiculous, but I'm going to quote it. Or 7th generation, which is 1 128th of the race, or 0.7813%. Or 8th generation, which is 1 in 256th of the race, or 0.3906%. Or 9th generation, which is 1 in 512th of the race, or 0.1953%. Or 10th generation, which is 1 in 1024 parts of the race, or 0.0977%. That's Kennedy. The common rationalization, and I've heard this rationalization before, oh, 10th generation, that's less than 1%, non-white, that's okay. The common rationalization always leads to the mistaken idea that somehow we can unraised mix. Ezra and Nehemiah commanded that the children of Israel put away all the wives and such as are born of them. It didn't matter what degree of mixture they were. Nobody was going around measuring. It is only Kennedy's conjecture that they were all 100% non-white and that's certainly wrong when you look at the scripture and the history. None of them were 100% non-white. Kennedy's only inventing a tale to justify his errant definition of a mamzer. You cannot keep the laws of Yahweh our God and unrace mix. There's no such thing as unrace mixing. You cannot reverse race mix. Anyone who imagines so is a fool. A union with someone of another race is fornication. And a union with one of their half-breed offspring is still fornication. The children of Esau were half-Canaanite. The descendants of Cain were half-Canaanite. They were to be kept out of Israel to get to someone who is only, as Kennedy puts it, Tenth generation, which is one and one hundred, one thousand and twenty-four parts of the race, requires nine generations of fornication. Yet, if the law were maintained, the original bastard would not survive. And this is another law. Eli James loves to wax eloquent about the law, about how we have to keep the law, and then he destroys the law by pissing all over it. Here's another law which sets Eli James out as a hypocrite. Leviticus chapter 20. And if a man lies with a beast, it's Eli James who claims that the other races are the beasts of the field. He does it all the time, speaking out of one side of his mouth, then speaking out of the other side of his mouth, he says we should accept bastards. If a man lies with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. 
And if a woman approaches unto any beast and lies down thereto, thou shalt kill the woman and the beast. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Let us take it for granted that Eli's right. Let us take it for granted. Now, I'm not admitting he's right. He's right. I think he's a clown. But let us take it for granted that the so-called other races are the beasts of the field. I wouldn't make this profession, but we'll take it for granted for exemplary purposes here. The same people Kennedy finds his inspiration in also make that profession that the other races are the beasts of the field. So under the law, if a man lies with a non-white, that man must be slain according to the law, both the man and the non-white beast. So how can we maintain the law of God and arrive at a tenth generation bastard? Oh, I didn't know the nigger sleeping in Joe's tent was pregnant. Get the hell out of here. This is ridiculous. These people that promote bastards live in some kind of cartoon fantasy land. This is incredible. They live in a fantasy. You can't take clowns like Eli James seriously, teaching clowns like like David Kennedy this crap. How do you take these clowns seriously? If you take these clowns seriously, you're a damned idiot. You're an idiot. You can't get to a 10th generation bastard. Not if you're keeping the law of God. You can't get there. Because eventually, you're going to exterminate the beast that's pregnant. And the 8th generation or the 7th generation or the 6th generation bastard ain't gonna be born, you idiots. How do you believe this trash? We gotta grow the hell up in Christian identity and get real and take the laws of God seriously. Wow. Don Spears, you're an idiot. This is the hypocrisy of all those who would attempt to pollute the seed of Israel with bastards. They do not believe the scripture at all. Rather, they will say anything about any passage just so they could justify their own bastard families. Eli James is a Jew and he cannot repent. Don Spears, he loves his mamzer granddaughter. Will he continue in his sin? Dan Johns, yeah. Dave Kennedy, at the end of this post, he, he, he mentions Dan Johns as part of his inspiration for it. Dan Johns loves swarthy and questionable women, and he proudly posts their pictures on his Facebook. Dancing with niggers. You ever hear of dancing with wolves? That's Dan Johns. Geronimo Visser has accepted all of this, and he has been covering for the treachery of both Joe November and Morton Lindstein for years. Greg Howard and Kevin Frompcola, well, Dave Kennedy mentions them too as help and inspiration in arriving at these conclusions, and they are now doing the same thing, running cover for bastards and contriving excuses for fornicators. I'll get on to the balance of Dave Kennedy's post. 
He says, I've done a lot of praying. I would say he better go do a hell of a lot more. I've done a lot of praying, he says, studying, some fasting and asking others. Yeah, a bunch of clowns. I now realize I was in error in my thinking in several ways. Uh, well, he got twisted into a pretzel. First, the word congregation or assembly is four words in Hebrew. This is what he's saying. No matter what Hebrew word is used, it is translated congregation or assembly with a few other exceptions. And that's his words. And let me say this. There are synonyms in Hebrew, just like there are synonyms in English. Not every word in Hebrew or in Greek needs to be translated differently from every other word. In fact, that would be a pretty difficult attempt. It can be done because we have plenty of synonyms in English, but you really got to go out of your way to do it, and it's usually not necessary, because a synonym is very often just that, a synonym. Congregation, assembly. Congregation, assembly. Which one do I pick? Quite often when I'm translating, I'm going to pick the one I think just sounds better in that particular passage. Congregation, assembly. That's the way it is. It's the art of translation. Here I'm going to truncate Kennedy's definitions of kahal and idah because we've already given them above. This is where they originally were in his post, and I'm going to move on. He also um, gives a definition of another word which is sometimes translated tabernacle, and we really don't need it for our criticism of his post here tonight. Kennedy writes... To understand Deuteronomy 23, we must understand the word kahal, congregation. From the beginning, Yahweh picked out a select chosen few among Israel, and they were known as the kahal. And I just gave 15, at least 15 examples from Scripture, from the books of Moses, that refute that garbage. The entire congregation of Israel was referred to as the Kahal time and time again. Kennedy is convinced of a lie about race mixing by a man who has accepted bastards produced by his own children. Don Spears. I am not being purposely cruel here. I'm only telling the truth. This is called full disclosure. If a man comes out with some kind of some kind of um, unscriptural heresy, there's usually a pretty good reason for it. I worked with Eli James for two years, and it, in in late 2010, Eli James started pushing this idea that white didn't really have to be white, and we split. We had to split. When he started pushing that crap, we had to split. And then I learned three years later that in late 2010, Eli James's daughter became engaged to a Sandager. And they're married now. I wonder why around that time, Eli James started pushing something other than white as white. Oh, the 85% club that he initiated on a program when Sword Brethren interviewed him in January of 2011. Say a white person is 85% white. That's what he said. Eli said that.
I got a recording. Notice Kennedy in his writing spells the name of Yahweh exactly how another clown spells it, Dewey Tucker. Tucker denies that Christ is the Messiah. He also denies the term Christian. It's evident to me that Kennedy will listen to just about anyone. I don't know if Tucker's in the Joe November 15% club or the Don Spears 25% club or Kennedy's 49% club. Somehow I doubt if even Dewey is quite that screwy. But Kennedy evidently gets his inspiration from him too. Returning to Kennedy, he goes on to say, <coughs> they, he's referring to this Kahal, had recorded genealogical family trees as evidence of being pure Israelite, an example of the need for evidence to be in the Kahal congregation can be seen at Nehemiah 7, see also Ezra 2, 61-63. You, you know, the priests had to have their recorded genealogies, but that doesn't change the definition of kahal as Moses used it a thousand years before Ezra and Nehemiah. He says, well, well let me read as he produces them. Nehemiah 7, 64 and 65. And this is what they say. They're in Kennedy's original post. These, referring to the priests, right? These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they, as polluted, put out from the priesthood. And the Tershatha said unto them, and, and the Tershatha was actually Nehemiah, I can establish that. And the Tershatha said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim. And Kennedy writes a note here and he says, these priests were not sent out of Israel but were stripped of their position in the Kahal. Urim and Thummim were used by the high priest. They were kept in the breastplate they were stones kept in a pouch next to the heart. When called on, they cast them out and they would read either yes or no and it was trusted that Yahweh had given the divine answer. Now, of course, he's right about the Urim and Thummim. He's wrong about the use of the word kahal here. Kennedy misses, however, the entire point of Nehemiah 7.65. He says that these people were not sent out of the congregation. They were not sent out of Israel. Not only were the men ejected from the priesthood, but until the leaders received an answer from God concerning the status of the man through the Urim and Thummim, they were prohibited from eating of the most holy things. In effect, the men were barred from intermarrying or from engaging in communion of the faith of the entire congregation. That's what that means. 
they were virtually excommunicated, which in those days meant a lot more than getting a wafer cookie from some pedophile in a black robe. So Kennedy just misses the whole point of Nehemiah 765. And he goes on to say, he goes on to say, offering us another lie, perhaps a few thousand kahal may have lived in a generation. In Elijah, there is a reference to 7,000 who did not bow the knee to bow. Perhaps these were the remnant congregation kahal. And he goes on to say, but a lot of the common people of Israel, Idah Kahila, did not have genealogical lines recorded. And that's a lie. First, Kennedy is distinguishing Kahal and Kahila here, which is ridiculous concerning the manner in which Moses used the word. Kahila is Strong's number 6952. It's merely the feminine version of the noun Kahal. And it only appears in Scripture twice. Once in Nehemiah 5.7 and once in Deuteronomy 33.4. And Kennedy's using Kahila and Kahal in reference, references to passages where the words do not appear at all. Period. Nope. Don't appear. The word Kahal does appear in Nehemiah 7.66. The whole congregation together was 40 and 2,000. Three score, 300 and three score. 42,366. Or 360, I'm sorry. The, um, the word kahal in Nehemiah 766, it does not refer to the priests as David Kennedy insists. It refers to all of the Israelites who were present in Jerusalem. All of them. It doesn't mean a remnant. This is the remnant. It's the remnant of those from the Babylonian captivity who were in Jerusalem. But the word kahal in this context does not mean a remnant. It means all of the Israelites who were assembled. And it counts them. 42,000. That's not priests. There weren't just 42,000 priests that returned from Babylon. There were 42,000 total, if you check Ezra and Nehemiah. So, Kennedy is, in his estimation of Ezra and Nehemiah, continuing this false definition of this word, kahal. He's continuing it. He's insisting on it. And it's a lie. The Kahal is the whole congregation of the children of Israel in Nehemiah 766. He, he mentions, well, why does he mention, um, the Elijah story in his post at all? The, yet, you know, quite often people have a ploy, people with agendas have a ploy to create distractions by mentioning unrelated topics. And and this is a distraction because the word kahal, yet you know, Kennedy has to bring up this Elijah story and these seven thousand men 
But the word kahal does not appear anywhere in 1 Kings chapters 18, 19, 20 in any connection at all with the Elijah story. So he's just starting to make up stories that he thinks are going to support his position. Basically, that's what he's doing. Then he gets really crazy. He, He says... I think there were among these Ida or Kahila, quite a few who inherited a few genes from dalliances of their ancestors or from rape victims during war or invasion, etc. In Exodus 12.38 it states a mixed multitude went out with Israel. Also, Judah's son Shelah, and he says Shelah, like it's a woman, lived in Israel so there would have been genes from him dispersed. And here is all kinds of conjecture on Kennedy's part. It's all pure conjecture to try to, as I said, people that want to with an agenda, legitimize bastards, they'll find passages of scripture that they think support their position. So Kennedy's groping for straws. Now, Kennedy said that um, the children of Israel didn't have their their genealogies recorded. If he really paid attention to Israelite history, he would have understood that the genealogies were for the most part lost in the Assyrian and Babylonian destructions of the cities of Israel and Judah. The genealogies were for the most part destroyed by the invaders. So of course they lost their genealogies. It was part of their punishment. There were a um, a caste of priests and other rulers who still had their genealogies until Herod had gotten into the temple in the first century B.C. and destroyed those so that he could corrupt the priesthood and pass himself off as a legitimate Israelite according to certain early Christian writers Eusebius but Kennedy with with these comments about the the Kahila and the inherited genes from dalliances and rape victims with his remarks about the mixed multitude that went out in the exodus with Egypt with his remarks about Judah's son Shalah all of this is pure conjecture the mixed multitude was not necessarily all non-white and many of them were most likely white because whites were substantially predominant in Egypt in, in, in 1450, 1500 BC, the time of the Exodus. But the 40 years of wandering in the desert was to eliminate those people. It was to eliminate even the children of Israel who had rebelled against Yahweh God and to purge Israel of all the rebels. When we get to the census, At the other end of the the Exodus, when we get to the census on the plains of Moab, where the congregations are counted, there aren't any mixed multitude then. They were eliminated in the 40 years in the desert. So, Kennedy is just looking for things that's gonna, that, that, that he thinks will support his position that bastards can be allowed into the congregation of God. And he's actually refuting the word of God in order to do that. 
the tribe of Shelah, of the sons of Judah. You can't just flippantly say that, that their um, genes were dispersed throughout all the tribes. That wasn't the custom of the time. And the tribe of Shelah was distinct all the way down to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. The tribe of Shelah were distinct amongst Judah all through the conquest of Palestine. This is the mark of the universalist to pull every single tale out of the Bible that might support race mixing, hoping that some of them stick. They do this in spite of all the plain laws and the words of the gospel and the prophets and the apostles which condemn race mixing. Kennedy didn't quote any of those. He goes on to say that Acts 2 may also be addressing this situation that existed among the dispersed of Israel. The dispersed Israelites would not all be entirely pure, 100% white, after the centuries as pagans. Who said the dispersed Israelites in Acts chapter 2 were pagans? They were all Judahites. They were all Judeans. Kennedy doesn't know a damn thing about the Bible. And he goes on to say, and this is audacity, right? But Yahweh, by predestination, would have, through sovereignty, kept his kahal of leaders pure. Well, Kennedy claims that Yahweh can keep the leaders pure through his sovereignty, but he disregards the suggestions made through, throughout the prophets that Yahweh would keep all Israel pure by that same means? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25. And I will turn my hand upon thee, and purge away thy dross, and take away all thy tin, leaving nothing but silver and gold. And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city, the people of God. Ezekiel chapter 20. Verse 37, And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth from out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, meaning the land where Israel was going, because it wasn't in Palestine. And ye shall know that I am Yahweh, as for you, O house of Israel, saith Yahweh, go ye, serve every one his idols, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me, but pollute ye my holy name no more with your gifts and your idols. For in my holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith Yahweh God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me. There will I accept them, and there will I require your offerings and the first fruits of your oblations with all your holy things. Yahweh was going to purge Israel through the Assyrian and Babylonian deportations. Amos chapter 9, verse 9. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all the nations like as corn is sifted in a sieve yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth 
All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say, The evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. All the unrepentant. In fact, Yahweh always condemned the rulers and the priests of the people, because they always led the people astray while promising to purge Israel of all the wicked. The biblical, the biblical narrative is precisely the opposite of what Kennedy is suggesting. Now Kennedy repeats another Don Spears lie, which is even more treacherous, where he says, there are two verses that indicate how Yahweh will cleanse or purge the blood of his people. That's not what the prophets say. Yahweh says in the prophets that he's going to remove the wicked. He's going to remove the dross and the tin. He's going to remove the rebellious. And they're going to die by the sword. He doesn't say he's going to purge their blood. That's laughable. First, it's laughable because bastards are not God's people. Bastards are not Yahweh's people in the first place. How could he cleanse or purge the blood of his people? Bastards are not his people. Israel was told that they would be his people on the condition that they remained a separate people. Wow, this is a Jew shell game if I ever saw one. That's like Eli James's statement concerning white people who are, let's say, 85% white. Yes, Eli said that. And when he did say it, sword brethren told him that they, if they, if they were only 85% white, then they were not white. And they aren't. But Eli said, you're begging the question, Brian. As if Brian should have let him get away with that crap. Redefining white as some sort of gray. Yahweh's not gonna purge the blood of his people because bastards aren't his people. Exodus chapter 33, verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 52. That thine eyes, these are the words of Solomon, that thine eyes may be open unto the supplication of thy servant, and unto the supplication of thy people Israel, to hearken unto them in all that they call for unto thee. For thou didst separate them from among all the people of the earth, to be thine inheritance, as thou spakest by the hand of Moses thy servant, when thou broughtest our fathers up out of Egypt, O Yahweh God. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Holy means separated and devoted to God. A peculiar people, so that you should proclaim the virtues for which from out of darkness you have been called into the wonder of his light. 
Here are the two verses Kennedy offers where he asserts that Yahweh will somehow cleanse the blood of bastards. And I know this crap comes right from Don Spears. Joel 3.21, where Yahweh says, For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for Yahweh dwells in Zion. And Isaiah 44, where Isaiah says, When Yahweh shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. After this, Kennedy gives some definitions for this word cleanse, and I'm going to omit them here because they are simply not pertinent. It's the word blood that we should be interested in. The word for blood in these two passages is plural. In both Joel 3.21 and in Isaiah 4.4, in the Hebrew, it's plural. The truth is that when the word for blood appears in the Old Testament in the plural, it is almost always an idiom for bloodshed. The context of those passages supports the meaning of the idiom. I discussed this at length in an essay that I wrote many years ago and in another context. The essay was entitled Translating John 1, 11-13. It's available at Christogenia. Here is part of what I said when I was doing a study in Greek for a passage in the New Testament. I said, According to a concordance to the Septuagint and the other Greek versions of the Old Testament by Edwin Hatch and Henry Redpath, 2nd edition, the word hyma, that's the Greek word for blood, hyma, the word hyma appears in the plural in the Septuagint manuscripts on as many as 53 occasions. Counting all listed variations amongst the 70 manuscripts as supplied by Hatchet Redpath. Examining the Septuagint, one must consider also the Hebrew from which the word was translated. The Hebrew Dictionary in Strong's Concordance says of the Hebrew word for blood, Dom, he says, and this is Strong's Concordance, Dave Kennedy failed to check Strong's on this, I guess, figuratively, especially in the plural, bloodshed. Strong's Concordance says that when the Hebrew word appears in the plural, it figuratively means bloodshed. And this is the obvious meaning in the context in 50 of the 53 occasions where the word hyma is found in the plural in the Septuagint. My paper lists every one of those occasions. And in all of those places, it is apparent and significantly important to note that the translators, the Greek translators, when they translated the Septuagint from Hebrew, maintained the Hebraism. Wherever it's in plural in the Old Testament Hebrew, it's plural in the Old Testament Greek except that Joel 3.21 is significantly different in the Septuagint. So I did not include that in my list. But that's okay. The, the context is clear.
Even Breton recognized the idiom, for instance, at Psalm 50.14, where for the plural of the word blood, he wrote blood guiltiness, or for Ezekiel 24.14, where for the plural of the word blood, he wrote bloodshed. But if one reads all of those 50-some-odd passages, you'll come to the same conclusion, that Haima, when it's plural, or Dom in Hebrew, when it's plural, they're the words for blood. When it's plural, it means bloodshed. And now we're going to read Joel 3, 21. But we're going to read Joel 3, 19 and 22. And it says, from Joel 3, 19, King James Version, Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness. For the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for Yahweh dwells in Zion. The context of Joel 3.21 is that Yahweh would cleanse the bloodshed of Israel, which is mentioned in Joel 3.19. Here is what Matthew Henry, now I don't, I'm not the commentary guy, but I checked this one out just for the hell of it. Clifton's usually the one that cites from the commentaries. I did, I did check out Matthew Henry, his commentary on Joel 3.21, and here's what it says, and I quote, this is from Bible Works 8.0, by the way, which includes the Matthew Henry notes. Matthew Henry says, this is put last here as a reason for the rest, and he refers to verse 21 in parentheses, but we may consider it first as the ground and foundation of the rest. I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed. That is, their bloody, heinous sins, especially shedding innocent blood, that filth and guilt they had contracted by sin, which rendered them unfit for communion with God and made them odious to his holy holiness and obnoxious to his justice. This they shall be washed from in the fountain opened. Zechariah 13.1 So Matthew Henry, and I'll quote Zechariah 13.1, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. It's the promise that Yahweh is going to wash away all of the sins of Israel. That's what he's saying in Zechariah 13.1. That's what he's saying in Joel 3.21, that he's going to cleanse their bloodshed. The word is plural, bloods. You can't cleanse bloods, plural, when all men are made from one blood, according to Don Spears' beloved King James Version. He's a liar. This has nothing to do with blood. It has everything to do with bloodshed. If Yahweh could somehow cleanse the blood of bastards, there are no bastards. There are no tares. There are no broken cisterns. There are none. How could Paul mention bastards if they're just, their blood's going to be cleansed? In the end, it don't matter. How do the tares get bundled and thrown in a fire? if their blood's going to be cleansed. Why do we have tares? We shouldn't even have a reference to tares in the New Testament. 
Christ, he was screwed up, I guess, for talking about tears. God's going to cleanse everybody's blood. So there can't be any damn tears, right? That's what this assertion is all about. We should just, what well, we should just, well, well, the children of Israel said that, it, well, I'm sorry, Ezekiel said of the children of Israel that they were going to lay down in the streets and spread their legs for everybody that passes by. And that's what these clowns are telling us we should do. Eli James, Don Spears, Dave Kennedy, Dan Johns, and all these other clowns. Kevin Framcola, Greg Howard. He mentions them all. I didn't. I'm mentioning them because they're the people he admittedly got his inspiration from for this universalist trash. This is Catholic bullshit. Yahweh's going to cleanse the blood of bastards. What the hell is a bastard? Why does it matter? Why? Why does the New Testament tell us not to commit fornication? Why does the New Testament tell us not to go in the way of Cain after the error of Balaam? Why that evil apostle Jude shouldn't have been talking so bad about those bastards? Is that what we're to believe? These people are such blooming hypocrites. It's incredible. In truth, bastards are never going to be accepted by our God. Never. And I'm going to end this here. Uh, there's a little more to Kennedy's... <sighs> wow. To Kennedy's post. Let me put it that way. He goes on to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the conclusion. We got a few minutes. My white brothers and sisters, well he's evidently not talking to just whites, right? I don't know why he included the word, my white, part white, kinda white brothers and sisters. In Yahweh. Trust in Yahweh and fear not. Yeah, I trust in Yahweh. He's gonna remove the bastards. And he goes on to say, if you have a percentage of DNA of a race that falls outside of Israel, you are still white and considered part of the Edah. And then he says, or Kahila, congregation of Israel. So right there, he now he's already paved the way to the leadership for bastards. That's what he's done in, in the closing paragraph here. What a clown that this is a Canaanite Jew bait and switch. That this is an E.Y. James tactic if I ever saw one. And he says, you are his children and not his, and not created beings. Well, well guess what? That, that's a do, screwy, dewy, tucker idea. But Jacob was created. Jacob was formed and created. According to scripture. I formed you, I created you. Yahweh speaking to the children of Israel. So Kennedy's kind of mixing Eli James universalism, Dan John's idiocy, Don Spears' treachery, and screwy Dewey Tucker all into one big bucket, and you can only end up with a pile of bullshit. That's all he could end up with. This guy's got a brain like a sponge, but it can't hold any water. It's already clogged with feces. I'm sorry for my illustrations, but wow, I don't know what else to say. 
He goes on to say that it is likely that during your earthly lives you will not be called upon to make the upper ranks of leadership, the kahal. No, we save that for clowns like Eli James and Dan Johns. But you are a vital part of Israel. No, you're not. You're not a part of Israel. Not if you're a bastard. Not at all. If one is of mixed blood, one is a broken cistern, the creation of which Yahweh describes as happening through race mixing. And he says that in Jeremiah chapter 2. And I'm going to quote a few passages of Jeremiah 2. I won't read the whole chapter. From verse 4. Hear ye the word of Yahweh, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. That's a bastard body. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? Verse 20. For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands, and now said, I will not transgress. That's talking about the captivity in Egypt. And, and the agreement of Israel with God at Mount Sinai. When upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy or right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? Race mixing. For though thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith Yahweh God. In other words, the sin of race mixing cannot be washed off. How can you say, I am not polluted, I have not gone after Baalim? See thy way in the valley, know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. In another place, Yahweh says, I will kill her children. They are the children of fornication. He says that in Hosea. With that, I will close. I've said enough tonight. Maybe a little too much sometimes. It's, it, it's, um, at the very end of his post, it's Dave Kennedy that thanks Pastor Eli James, Pastor Don Spears, Pastor Greg Howard, Pastor Dan Johns, Kevin Celtic, that's Kevin Fromkola, Bunny, whoever the hell she is, and all the believers who prayed for me or talked to me. Here we have it. Thanks, Dave Kennedy. You just told us all the proponents of race mixing in Christian identity. And we can add Jeremy Visser to the list, or I should say Geronimo Visser, because he approved of this post, and he voiced disapproval to my own objections of this post in his own forum before he took the post down because he realized that it probably left him open to criticism. 
regardless of these men, a bastard shall not see the kingdom of Yahweh, not under any circumstances. John chapter 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man should be born from above, he is not able to see the kingdom of Yahweh. Are bastards born from above? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are bastards born from above? Or are bastards born of the sin of the world? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do you really think a bastard is born from above? I hope not. If you do, please, don't come around here no more. Praise Yahweh. Thank you for listening. I'll be here Friday night with Romans chapter 5. You people in talk show, I didn't unmute. I'm sorry. I really am. Truth Militia, European Godzilla. I can't do that presentation and watch the chat. I can't do it. <laughs> Matt wasn't here with me tonight. Come to the chat room at Christagenia. Shoot me an email. It's troll free and it's always open. Thank you, Keith. God bless, Butcher. Thanks, David.